Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up? How are we doing? How are we doing? And welcome to episode number 22 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. If you are listening to this on New Year's Eve day, well, be safe tonight. Don't do anything stupid. If you're listening to it post New Year's Eve day, then Happy New Year. Hope 2019 is treating you well. A lot to talk about this week on the podcast. I know I say that every week, but we got Christmas Day game to talk about. We got the crazy comeback against the Grizzlies to talk about. Your stud and dud of the week. Another banner banter investigation. And I have a little New Year's Eve type theme. Yeah, like a new bit, but focused on New Year's Eve and maybe what the Boston Celtics should be focusing on going into 2019. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. I'm sure you're listening to this fine podcast on a bunch of fine podcast applications. I wish I could say the word podcast right. On Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Podbean, Stitcher, you name it. We're there. Listen to it on all of them, different ones, or the same one every single week. Thank you again for listening. Really, really appreciate it, and hopefully 2019 will be a very successful one, not only for the Boston Celtics, but for this podcast as well. Let's talk about the current state of the Boston Celtics. They are 21-14 and 14 right now. Not ideal, but getting better and better by the day. Currently the fifth place, currently in the fifth place. They are fifth place in the East, one game behind the 76ers for fourth, two and a half games behind the Pacers. Told you guys from the beginning of the season, the Pacers are good. Four and a half behind the Bucks because the Bucks are now the new number one seed in the Eastern Conference because, let's be honest, the Toronto Raptors have not been playing very good basketball over the last two or three weeks. You could actually say since, I would say maybe when the Celtics beat them in that overtime game in mid-November, that back-to-back home games that they had, you could say that the Raptors really haven't played that great of basketball. I mean, they've been playing okay, but not great, but now the Milwaukee Bucks are currently the, n- the number one seed. But let's get right into it right away. Celtics, 76ers, what a game. Christmas Day, at, like a great, like if you were a Celtics fan, what a great holiday treat. If you were one of the 18,624 in that building, what a great treat as well. Whew, what a game. That was so much fun. But before, let's talk about before the game. Michelle Beadle on ESPN, or maybe it was ABC, I forget which game, what, what station the game was on. Ask Paul Pierce, like, what was going on with the Celtics? Like, why is this team that everyone was hyping up not that great to start the season? And Paul Pierce brought up a great point. He was basically mentioning that the young guys are changing their roles from last year, and it's affecting them. And what he means by that is basically Terry Rozier had a mindset the last, all the playoff games in the last two months of the season that he was your starting point guard. He he knew that he was going to get himself 25 to 30 minutes every single night. And now that he's not, it's mentally affecting him. But at the same time, Terry's, Terry's got to be professional enough to realize that like he got that opportunity because someone got hurt. And he needs to get back to his old self of, and realizing that, hey, man, it's a contract year for me. And he's got to go out there and perform 
like he is starting, and he's not doing that right now. And I understand that the same goes for Jalen Brown, too, and the same's going for Gordon Hayward. You know, Gordon, yes, Gordon Hayward came off a nasty injury, but Gordon Hayward used to play all the time in Utah, you know, 30 to 35 minutes every single game. He was their number one guy, and now he's accepting the rule to come off the bench. But Terry and Jalen, I, I think it's still mental with them, and that's why it's affecting their game so much. And Paul, it, it's a great point. They had a mindset to go in every single game to be a starter and now they're going their mindset is basically like oh cool maybe i'll play and hopefully i can play well and that's not cool and that's affecting the team big time big time also before we get into this they also talked about this pregame a little bit too is like are we seeing the best of Jalen? uh not Jalen brown are we seeing the best of gordon hayward is this like that 30-point game going to be like that one little random game that we'll get but are we seeing the best of gordon hayward is he just going to be a 10-point five shots a game, you know, four boards, four assists type of guy. I hope not. I don't think so. Obviously, if that's the case, and the Celtics have a big issue on their hands when it comes to contracts and salary cap and all that. But you you saw it in the T-Wolves game, the, the potential's there. You saw it in the Grizzlies game, which we'll get into, that the potential is there as well for him to perform very well. I I don't think we're it's the best that we're going to see of him. But if it is, the Celtics are in trouble. And... But for right now, let's not focus on that because I think Jalen, Terry, and Gordon can turn it around and really help this team before the All-Star break because these next five to six weeks for the Celtics are massive, massive, especially with 11 home games in January. The the All-Star break is right around the corner. And by the way, you can actually start voting for your NBA All-Stars if you use the hashtag VoteCeltics or go to NBA.com and figure out which ones you want to vote for. I have been voting for Marcus Morris every single day, just so everyone knows. I, I think he deserves an all-star spot. Obviously, he's not going to get in by votes, but hopefully who's ever coaching the team will realize that he needs to be in it because he has been the second best player for the Celtics all year long. He really has, and no one can argue with me about that. But let's talk about this Christmas Day game. Holy crap, what a game. 121-114, overtime thriller at TD Garden. First person I want to talk about is Jason Tatum. He finally played a big game that we were all expecting from him. He had a double-double. Double-digit in points, double-digit in rebounds. At times, he he took some pretty dumb shots, you know, but he rebounded the ball ball well. So if he's going to take a dumb shot and then go down on the other side of the floor, make an effort and energy play to get a rebound, to push the ball up to Kyrie, I'm content with that. Tatum, at the time, has scored 15 or more points in the last six games, you know, going into this Christmas game. So that's great. It's the longest streak of his career. Obviously, we'll talk about the Grizzlies game where that streak snapped, but that's okay. But Tatum was great in this game. Tatum is this, this game that you got from Jason Tatum on Christmas is exactly what the Celtics were expecting Jason Tatum to be all year. 20 points, 10 boards every single game, really take it to the next level. Because let's be honest, a lot of the guys, I've mentioned this before, like Ben Simmons is having a decent year. Donovan Mitchell is having a crap year and Tatum's having an okay year. You're you're not really expecting these big jumps that you were expecting with all the hype behind the three of these guys last year on the rookie of the year chase. Jalen Brown though. (sighs) Celtics won by seven and Jalen Brown was a minus 14. The mental thing that Paul Pierce talked about is legit, and I'm I'm on board with it. Maybe it is a mental thing, but to be a minus 14 in this game when your team wins by seven, that's not good. Jalen is not playing. He had an okay game. 
I mean, I'm not like taking that away from him, but it's not what you should be expecting from a guy going into his what? Yeah, his third year. It's it's not what we're expecting at all. I mean, just looking at the numbers right here for Jalen Brown, he was two of seven from the field, a minus fourteen, three personal fouls, four points, three rebounds, and two assists in twenty minutes worth of play. We one of the big things about this game that really aggravated me is the fact that like whenever Embiid wasn't on the court, the Celtics couldn't capitalize. The Celtics could have extended the lead, got the you know, there were times where the Celtics were up big and they could have extended the lead, and there were times where they were down and couldn't close the lead, you know, to make it smaller when Embiid was off the court. And it's situations like this where you kind of get upset with Jalen Brown where, like, dude, this is your opportunity. You Celtics are down eight. You're on the court. Make it four. Make it two. Make it happen, Jalen Brown. And he just hasn't been able to do that. Someone that did help the Celtics during this game? Point Horford. Al Horford, holy crap. When he runs the point, the Celtics have so many different options. You can run Tatum, Kyrie, off curls, handoffs, switch-offs, like pick and roll, like you name it, it it happens. If you look at OT, that second to last three that Kyrie made before he like, you know, that fast break three-pointer that he jacked up with like 20 seconds left whenever when everyone was like, no, 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 yes, boy, way to go. But before that, Horford brought the ball up the court, and Horford just handing the ball off to Kyrie, sticking his ass out just a little bit, so Jimmy Butler couldn't get in Kyrie's face. Kyrie shoots over and bead for the three. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Point Horford is super, super important for this team because it brings the big man out, and it can let Jason Tatum create. It can let Kyrie create. It can sh- shit. It can even let Marcus Morris create. I mean, uh, and Marcus Smart too. All those guys, when Al Horford's on the top of the key, he's one of the best passing big men in the league, and in that 76ers game on Christmas Day, it showed. Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart didn't do like a lot of like crazy things, but the guy worked his ass off. I mean, chasing around J.J. Redick, I'm, I'm biased towards J.J. Redick. He's my favorite Duke player of all time, my favorite college basketball player of all time. I like to see him you know, succeed in every way, shape, or form, except for playing against the Celtics, but... He, the Celtics are lucky J.J. Redick got cold. I mean, let's be serious. You know, he came out and hit, what, four or five of his, the first three-pointers that he, that he hit, or took, I should say, and he was, and he was great. He was great, and then he got cold, and the Celtics were very, very lucky that he got cold. I think J.J. Redick, let me look it up real quick. I think J.J. Redick finished, like, six of 16 or something like that. Like he, he got cold real quick. Yeah. He went five of 16, four of 10 for three. So yeah, he hit his first four shots, which were all three pointers. And then after that, he went one of nine from three. Thank God. Cause that would have been a lot different of a game. Speaking of Marcus smart at the time, Marcus smart got a technical foul in overtime and I wanted to kill him. I really did. He pushed Ben Simmons. And Ben Simmons like started laughing, joked it off. After the game, uh, ben, ben Simmons called it a silly technical foul. And he was right. But after that tech, the Celtics went on a 13-1 run, won this game. So was is that like a veteran move by Marcus? Like, yeah, I'm going to get a tech. I'm going to make everyone go crazy. And guess what? I'm officially in the heads of the 76ers because they thought they were going to win this game because of that. No. I mean, I'll be honest. When he did that, I was like, what the hell? Like, it's it's basically over at this point, but it motivated the Celtics. It was a veteran move by Marcus Smart, so salute to him. But Ben Simmons, 
<laughs> ben Simmons in his last 11 games versus the Celtics, all 11 games of his career versus the Celtics, he's a minus 125. That means the Celtics are 125 points better than the Philadelphia 76ers when Ben Simmons is on the floor. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Like a minus 125, like Jalen Brown's like, hey, I'm basically Michael Jordan compared to that. It was absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable. And speaking of unbelievable, jaw-dropping Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving in his brand new Kyrie Fives, the concept edition, if you will. I have a pair. I love them. They're beautiful. They're kind of ugly, but they're beautiful in like an ugly way. You get what I'm saying. What a game by him. 40 points. 10 boards, six-time Kyrie has dropped 40 or more points. His career high is 57. Not his best game, like, number-wise, like, as a member of the Celtics. He scored 47 during the uh, 16-game win streak in Dallas, like, when he had, when he had the mask on. So definitely not his best game number-wise as a member of the Boston Celtics. But I would say this was one of the most memorable games out of any Celtics player in, like, a really, really, really long time. Last time a Celtics player got 40 points and 10 boards was Paul Pierce back in December of 2005. This is the third time in Kyrie's career he's gotten 20 points and 10 boards in the same game. And then this is the second highest point total for a Celtic ever on Christmas Day behind Tommy Heinsohn. Remember, Tommy Heinsohn's the one that called Kyrie Irving a little overweight a few games into the season, and ever since then, Kyrie has been lights out. So thanks for calling Kyrie Fat Tommy because this has helped the Celtics big time. Just a couple other things. I know I'm really dragging about this Christmas Day game. It was just so much fun to be at. It was such a great atmosphere in there. Let's just talk about a couple things real quick. Daniel Tice can guard athletic big men. Daniel Tice cannot guard physical big men like Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is a really, really good basketball player. If it wasn't for Giannis, you could argue that he might be the MVP. That's how well he's been playing. He's really, really good. I was really happy with the way like Al Horford was physical with him because you could see at the end of the game that Embiid was definitely worn out. Like To start the game, Embiid was on fire. He was destroying the Celtics in the post. But later in the game, he got tired. All because Horford, you know, when Point Horford's going on, like guys like Embiid or the big men that are guarding Al Horford up top, they have to be more alert. They have to be a. They have to use a lot more of their physical awareness, the whole nine yards, because now they're just not in the post waiting for a guard to block. Now they're like they might have to switch, which then puts them on a guard outside the top of the key, which also wears them out. So Point Horford was big in wearing out Joel Embiid, but Joel Embiid, oh my God, wow, he's he's an unbelievable basketball player. Jimmy Butler, first time playing for the 76ers against the Celtics, he went nine of twenty-one. He scored twenty-four points. Not not like a crazy game. He was a minus 13 for them. But the fact that Kyrie could still do what he did in the second half with Jimmy Butler guarding him. And Jimmy Butler, guys, is an unbelievable defender. He really is. I mean, is he on Marcus Smart's level? No. But he's a good, solid defender, kind of like Marcus Morris. You know, he there are certain guys that he can defend really well. Kyrie was one of them, or so we thought. And that was that. <sighs> Turnovers. You think I'm with that, I'm going to be upset with it. But guess what? The Celtics had less than 10 turnovers again. Brad is setting this team up for success. If you look at the last couple games, the Bucks game, five turnovers. Hornets game, 14. 
This game, they had nine. They're doing a great, great job taking care of the basketball, and some of the plays that Brad is setting up is creating that because instead of a lot of ball movement, Brad is setting guys up so they can catch the ball and attack, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit, especially against the Grizzlies game. Especially against the Grizzlies with Jalen Brown, he was. They have this thing called the horn setup, and it's basically a curl for Jalen Brown, and we'll, and we'll talk about it in a bit. But that those type of plays, Brad is setting these guys up. Less turnovers is super important for this team. The more shots this team can get up, the better. Okay, and then finally, the one last thing. I, I saw this little stat, and I thought it was great. Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, Kyrie Irving, your best three offensive options on this team, scored 86 out of the 121 points. The Celtics scored on 50% shooting. That's exactly what you want from your top three offensive guys. They also took 22 out of the 41 threes for the team, and they only made nine of those. So between the three of them, they went nine for 22. Really not ideal on that aspect, but the the fact that they shot 50% overall and scored 86 out of 121 is huge, 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 huge. All right, and now... Hmm, do we want to do a banner investor banner banter investigation or should we do the stud and dud of the week? Let's do the stud and dud of the week. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week's Celtics stud and dud of the week. We'll start with the stud like we always do. And guys, come on, let's be serious. It's Kyrie Irving. He dropped 40 points, 10 boards on Christmas Day. He had 11 assists against the Rockets, 13 assists against the Grizzlies. He played this past week for Kyrie. Unbelievable. This is why Danny got Kyrie here for these last three weeks, three games. Kyrie's just been unbelievable. His leadership has been through the roof, he's drawing up plays at halftime. There was a report that him and Brad actually got into some beef after the Mavs game, and it was nothing personal. It was something, you know, all basketball-wise, which was great. Loved it. Kyrie is your stud of the week, and the dud this week, Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice in the Houston Rockets game was <clears throat> piss poor. That was his performance. It was terrible. He was a minus 27. Now, you remember a couple weeks ago when he was my stud because he was a plus 50? A minus 27. Clint Capella made Daniel Tice's little bitch in plain English. It was real bad. Real bad. I don't understand why Tice played as much as he did in that game, but he did. It is what it is. Obviously, we're going to see a lot more of Tice, especially with Robert Williams. He's out with a groin injury. He's probably going to be out a couple weeks. And Aaron Baines is out with his broken hand. So we're going to be seeing a lot of Tice in these type of, in these type of positions. He was a minus six against the Grizzlies. And he played, you know, I'm not going to like completely shoot him down, but he played pretty well in the 76ers game just when Joel Embiid wasn't on the floor. But when Joel Embiid was on the floor, he sucked. So yeah, stud, Kyrie, dud. Daniel Tice. Let's recap the Rockets and Grizzlies games. The Rockets game was a frustrating one down in Houston. The Celtics lost 127-113. to 113. James Harden went off for 40-plus points. At one point, he actually was at 10 or 11. I think he missed 11 shots in a row, and he actually hit zero free throws. Actually, he, he didn't attempt a free throw in the first half. Now, if you're a Celtics fan, James Harden misses 11 shots in a row and he doesn't attempt any free throws in the first half, you're like, Celtics up probably by like 400 points at that point, right? No, they weren't. They were losing. 
it was a real frustrating game because then in the second half, he went off. And he had over 15 free throws. I think he had 17 free throws overall in the second half. When you put James Harden at the line that many times, you're, you're going to lose. And just like the 76ers, when James Harden or Joel Embiid wasn't on the floor, whether it was Joel Embiid in the 76ers, James Harden in the Rockets, when those guys weren't on the floor, the Celtics' second unit could not capitalize to cut down the lead, and that's what screwed them over. You know, they would have Gerald Green. I love Gerald Green. I will forever love Gerald Green forever, whether he early in his career, a couple years ago when he was on the Celtics, but... To leave Gerald Green that wide open in certain situations by the second unit was terrible. The defensive rotations for the second unit unit were unbelievably poor. There were times where Terry and Gordon would miscommunicate. There'd be times where the teams were supposed to switch and they didn't. There would be times where they should have switched and couldn't keep up with the ball movement. It was, oh boy, it was real bad. This is how bad the Celtics bench sucked, okay? Tice was a minus 27. Jalen Brown was a minus 22. Gordon Hayward was a minus 16. Terry Rozier was a minus... I'm sorry. Gordon Hayward was a minus 19, and Terry Rozier was a minus 16. All the starters were in the plus, except for Jason Tatum, who was a minus 12. So all the starters were doing good. All the bench players did bad. Remember how we... Not not only me in this podcast, but uh, big media outlets... The Celtics have the deepest bench in the league. It's like us and the Raptors. And right now, the Celtics do not have a deep bench. And if they do have a deep bench, it is not a bench that is deep enough that you can trust. Because right now, you cannot trust Terry Rozier. You cannot trust Jalen Brown. You cannot trust Daniel Tice. Every other day, you can trust Gordon Hayward with the way that he's playing. But this this is a concern. This should be the biggest concern right now is the Celtics bench because Hayf- Hayford, Horford's back, Morris is back, Marcus Smart's playing fine, Kyrie's obviously playing at another level, Tatum's playing well. I mean, Tatum's shot selection in this game was so bad. There was one play late in the fourth quarter where the Celtics were trying to come back and take the lead, and Jason Tatum had a wide-open layup on a transition, and he just stopped and took like an elbow jumper and clanked it. It was infuriating. The... Jason Tatum's decision-making in this game was, like Daniel Tice, piss poor. It was really, really, really bad. And guess what? Effort. As much as we want to bash the bench, effort overall for the entire team needs to be there. What have I talked about for literally the last couple weeks? At least once or twice per podcast. Rebound, rebound, rebound. If the Celtics out-rebound the other team, they're going to win. And guess what? They didn't. They lost the rebound battle by 18 or 19 rebounds again. Like the Bucks game, they lost the rebound battle. They got smoked. In this game, they lost the rebound battle. They got smoked. They gave up 16 offensive rebounds. And a lot of those offensive rebounds were by Clint Capella. And Clint Capella is so good and understands Mike and Tony's system so well that don't go back up with it. Kick it out for a three. There were so many Three-point attempts after offensive rebounds for the Rockets. It was unbelievable, and it was so, so, so infuriating. And that is why the Celtics lost this game. No effort on the boards, and they'll get washed every single time. Now, where there was effort, second half of the Grizzlies game. The Celtics beat the Grizzlies after being down 19 points in the third quarter. They played a terrible second quarter. Again, a atrocious display by the second union. The second union. The second union. Yeah, wow, I can't say unit. The second 
unit. And that's funny that I can't say unit because I saw Lloyd Banks of G unit the other day. So I should be saying unit. The second unit did not play very well in that Grizzlies game. They were embarrassing almost. They gave up. So at the end of the first quarter, Celtics were up three. It was 29-26. You felt good about it. Dylan Brooks went off. He had a great game. Again, another guy that is good, but you don't expect him to go off for a big game, and he had a big game. And then in the second quarter, Celtics only scored 18 points. 18 points. The Grizzlies, 38. Now, based on averages per game, the Grizzlies score 101 points per game on average. That is the 29th worst, worst, the 29th worst in the league. And the Celtics have given up 38 points to these guys. Over 60 points for a team that doesn't even, on average, technically based on simple math, doesn't even get 50 in one half. They gave up 60. Unbelievable. And then at halftime, the Celtics put in some effort. At one point, they were down 19. They came back. They outscored the Grizzlies 32-23 to in the third. They cut down the lead a little bit, so you're feeling good. And then the Grizzlies came back to life. They couldn't score for the life of them. At one point, I'm pretty sure they didn't score for like five or six minutes in the fourth quarter. Celtics 33-16 to in the fourth quarter. Super, super, super impressive. They outscored the Grizzlies in the second half, 61-37. to And the craziest part about the last 25 points that the Celtics scored, Kyrie either scored or assisted on them. Kyrie ended up with 13 assists, 26 points in this game. Crazy. So the last 25 points all had to do something with Kyrie. That is why, again, Danny brought this guy. That is why the Celtics couldn't win Game 7 against the Cavs because they didn't have someone that could be this much in charge of the offense the, the way Kyrie is. You know, he's he kind of says some dickish things sometimes like, you know, I can do whatever I want when I'm out there. And in times like this, yeah, I'm glad he can. Let him. Let him go out there and do it. Let him go out there and do it. Al Horford was awesome in this game. Al Horford was so good. It was, I feel like Al Horford's actually like finally healthy again. You know, Al Horford, 6-12 from the field. He went 5-7 from three. That ties a career high for him with five three-pointers made in one game. 18 points, six boards, three assists. He was awesome in this game. This is exactly the type of performance we need from Al Horford night in and night out. And Al Horford is still on a minute restriction. He only played 23 minutes in this game. Awesome. And then Marcus Morris. 33 minutes in this game. He scored 22 points, four boards, four of nine for three. Guys, Marcus Morris is an all-star. Stand by your man, Marcus Morris is an all-star. Okay? I called it to start the season. I was wrong about Jalen Brown being the sixth man of the year, but Marcus Morris is an all-star. He should be looked at as an all-star. Not voted in by the fans, but the coaching, the GMs, the Everyone else should look at Marcus Morris and go, that dude's an all-star, okay? Speaking of guys who put up all-star type performances, and obviously that's me being a little bit overdramatic, is Yershon Yabaselli. Yershon Yabaselli stepped in for Daniel Tice because Daniel Tice sucked in the first half, didn't really play a lot in the second half. Yabo came in and was great. In the third and fourth quarter, if you take away one stupid-ass three that he took, he was awesome. He was everywhere. He did a great job of Marcus All 
slowed him down. He did a great job on Jaron Jackson, who again is so good. I want his shot is so awkward looking, but Jaron Jackson Jr. is a beast, and I would love him on the Celtics. But anyways, Yabo was great. He was a he was second in plus minus for the Celtics. Kyrie was number one. Yabo, Yershon Yaboselli, jacked up Cisco was a plus eleven in this game, and Gordon Hayward. Great game. This is the type of game where you know that Gordon is on the way up, and he just has to keep doing it because he'll have two games where he's good and then two games where he sucks. Two games where he's good, two games where he sucks. last two games for Gordon have been pretty good. So let's see how he does against the Spurs. And then we are playing the T-Wolves this week. And remember the last time the Celtics played the T-Wolves, Gordon Hayward dropped 30 points. So keep that in mind. But Hayward had 14 points and 6-11 and shooting. Now, what I mentioned earlier, Brad really tried to get Jalen Brown involved in this game. Jalen Brown didn't miss a shot. He actually went 3-for-3 in this game. He didn't play a lot. He played 19 minutes, but he went 3-for-3. He had four boards. I thought he did a really good job. He was only a minus two. But so Brad has this thing called the horn set, and it's so hard to explain over a podcast. But basically what it is is Kyrie will be at the top of the key, for example. Then you have Morris and, let's say, Tatum on a little bit above the elbow. And what Jalen does is Jalen comes around kind of V-cuts around, takes a curl, catches it, and then can attack the basket. And one of two things can happen. He can either attack the basket, or the other person that's on the floor will float to the corner. So if Jalen does attack and realize that he doesn't have a shot, that other person, that other defender will drag down, and Jalen can kick it out in the corner, and hopefully, let's say, like Al Horford's there in the corner, or Marcus Morris is there in the corner, or Marcus Smart's in the corner, to shoot a three, Okay. So Brad was getting Jalen involved, which is good. And I hope that brings Jalen's confidence up a little bit because that is going to be needed. It is going to be needed very soon, okay? And then finally, Jason Tatum in this game. He he wasn't like, you know, otherworldly like he was in the 76ers game. He only scored seven points, but he did a lot of other things that made me really happy. And I think it kind of showed that Hey, if Jason can make the effort, this kid is going to be really good. For example, if I were to tell you that Jason Tatum had four steals in a game, you'd be like, you're a liar. And I would agree with you. But guess what? He had four steals in this game. Five assists. Remember last week I was talking about how he has like nine games with zero assists? This time, five assists. It's like he listens to the podcast. And then he had eight rebounds. So his stat line was seven, eight, five, and four. And he also had a block. He only took six shots. Now, I'm not very happy with Jason Tatum only taking six shots in a basketball game. But, you know, you look at Horford. He has 12. He doesn't usually take that much. Marcus Morris had 13. That's fine. Marcus Smart had seven. That's about the average for him. You know, Gordon Hayward had 11. So other people had shots that, you know, probably took away from what Jason Tatum had. But they were good ones. And Jason Tatum played 29-29. That's actually kind of funny. He played 29 minutes in 29 seconds, and he played a great game. I thought this was a very well-rounded game for Jason Tatum. Effort was there. He realized, hey, maybe I'm not the most important guy in offense right now, so I'm going to do other little things. And if that kid can realize that, holy guacamole, I will love that a great deal. And let's get into a Banner Banter investigation. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter investigation, Celtics Unit Report. Oh, 
Okay, this week's Banner Banter Investigation is on Ron Granderson, who led the Celtics bench in scoring on December 30th, 1988, which was 30 years ago yesterday. Now, if you're wondering why I'm bringing him up, it's kind of funny because this was the last game in 1988 the Celtics played in their calendar year. Not their season, but their calendar year. And tonight, they are playing the San Antonio Spurs, their last game of the calendar year. So you see, bringing everything together. 30 years ago, their last game of the calendar year was against the Spurs. And then this year, boom, Spurs again this year. Ron Granderson had kind of a weird NBA career. He, he really did. He played at the University of California, and then he went and played at the University of New Orleans. He was the 100th overall pick in the fifth round by the Denver Nuggets in the 1987 draft. Now, I don't know why. I, I didn't want to go in like a deep, dark internet hole about this, but I don't know why there were five rounds in the NBA draft because excuse me, just burped. I don't know why there were five rounds in the NBA draft because now there's only two. And I think there's what, only like 60 picks, 64 picks now. And this was a hundred. So very, very weird. So he got drafted by the Denver Nuggets and then was cut. He then went to play for the Rochester Flyers in the CBA and the Celtics signed him for the 1988-1989 season. He only played one season for the Celtics in 72 games, two and a half points per game and seven minutes per game. But in this game, December 30th, 1988, he actually scored eight points in this game. So it was a very impressive game. But then after that, he had such a weird NBA career. He was gone for three years, came back to play for the Hornets. He only played like two games for the Hornets. Then he left for three more years, came back, played like four games for the for the Knicks, left again, came back a couple of years later, played a couple games for the Heat, a couple games for the Hawks, and then a few more games for the Knicks. He only played 105 total NBA games, and 72 of them were with the Boston Celtics. So very weird, weird NBA career. Currently, he owns his own basketball academy in Cincinnati, and his daughter actually plays for UMass Amherst. She's actually a starter for that team. So happy New Year to Ron Granderson, and uh, thanks for bringing the Banner Banter podcast all together. All right, let's talk about the upcoming schedule for the Boston Celtics tonight. They play the San Antonio Spurs. I'm a little nervous about this game just because uh, DeMar DeRozan or what I used to say at the beginning of the year, DeMarcus DeRozan. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is really good, and he always plays the Celtics very, very well. And Greg Popovich is definitely kind of using the same tools that he did with Kawhi Leonard with DeMar DeRozan. And it's funny because they both got traded for each other, as you guys know. Currently, the Spurs are the eighth seed. Like, when, as of yesterday or two days ago, they were the 10th seed in the Western Conference. That's how tight... The Western Conference is where you could say the San Antonio Spurs are the 10th seed. And you don't have to be a diehard basketball fan to know that one of the most consistent organizations in all of sports is the San Antonio Spurs. No doubt about it. They always make the playoffs every single year. They ha- they do have a lot of injuries to their backcourt. So I think that will definitely be a plus for Kyrie and hopefully Terry and Marcus Smart and others. So I, I feel like that is definitely a plus. It will be great to see LaMarcus Aldridge and Al Horford play against each other because those two are... They both move very slowly, but they're both great old-school type players, so that'll be a lot of fun. And then after that, the Celtics have two home games. Started there, 11 games in January. 11 home games in January. Now, let's just make this clear. This isn't 11 home games in a row. It is a 11 total home games in the month of January. It's actually pretty crazy. We'll break it down real quick. So they, they go home, 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 three road games, Home, home, road game, home, 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 home. 
So their road games are on the 10th, the 12th, and the 14th. They're playing the Heat, the Magic, and the Nets on the 10th, the 12th, the 14th. Then on the 19th, they go to Atlanta. They're playing the Grizzlies on the 18th, so that's a back-to-back. They also have a back-to-back where they play the Pacers on the 9th and then the Heat on the 10th. But we'll get into that later because there are a lot of important games in January for the Boston Celtics, especially at home. Pacers, Raptors, Warriors, big-time games, much-needed games. And I'm really interested in this Orlando Magic game on the 12th because they destroyed us earlier in the year and they shouldn't have. But anyways, this week, 8 o'clock, Wednesday, TD Garden, I believe it's on ESPN. I think this one's on ESPN. It is against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Last time these two teams played, as I mentioned, Gordon scored 30 points. The Celtics won 118 to 109. And the Timberwolves have lost seven out of their last 10 games. And they recently just lost a game to the Atlanta Hawks. And we all know that the Atlanta Hawks really aren't that good this year. So the Timberwolves are on the uh, down and down and not the up and up. I don't think the down and down is a saying. But anyways, who cares? Mavs game. Friday night, 8 o'clock. This game actually got moved. It was originally supposed to be like a 7, 7.30, and then ESPN's like, we're going to take this one. And that will be on ESPN, 8 o'clock, TD Garden, against the Mavs. Last time these two teams played, the Celtics lost 113-114. to 114. It was a great game. And after the Celtics lost this game, if you guys remember, this is when the Celtics won eight games in a row. So hopefully the Celtics do not lose this game and go on an eight-game winning streak. I would rather have them win this game and then go on an eight-game winning streak. Call me greedy, all right? And finally, the Mavs, they've lost seven, uh, is it seven out of the last 10 or six out of the last 10? Either way, they've had a losing record in their last 10 games. So Luka Doncic has been playing unbelievable. He's definitely the rookie of the year. I mean, no questions asked. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. He's your rookie of the year this year. And I can't wait to see him play at TD Garden. It's going to be really, really cool. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a good atmosphere. And then we'll talk about it next week, but next Monday at 730 at TD Garden on January 7th, they'll be playing the Brooklyn Nets. But we'll preview that game next week on episode, what is that, 23? Yeah, episode 23 of the uh, Banner Banch podcast. Wait, is this week episode 22? Or is this week episode 23? I feel like that's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, this week's episode 22. So next week, 23. We'll have four games to preview. All right. And then, just like I promised, I have one little bit. It's a new little bit uh, that is basically about the Boston Celtics and the year 2019. So, let's roll the clip. Okay, this is going to be your 2019 Boston Celtics New Year's resolutions. I selected about 10 or 12 guys who work for the organization or who play for the team, and I'm going to give them New Year's resolutions. What, you know, some people might be like, I want to lose five pounds. I want to be better with my money. Or, you know, I don't want to find a date on Tinder. I don't know what people's New Year's resolutions are. All I know is that I think I am not going to have Gatorade for an entire year. I gave up candy last year. I have not had a piece of candy for an entire year, and I think I'm going to continue that. My mom's thrilled because my mom used to be a dentist, so no more cavities for me. 
knocking on wood. All right, New Year's resolutions for the your Boston Celtics. We'll start off with Kyrie Irving. His New Year's resolution for 2019 should be signing a max deal with the Boston Celtics. Go make that paper, boo-boo. Go make that paper, Kyrie. Stick around with this organization for five or eight, five more years. We'd love to see you. Jason Tatum, please learn how to dribble and transition. That should be your New Year's resolution. So, Kyrie, sign your max deal. Jason Tatum, learn how to dribble and transition. Your hands are ginormous. Dribble the basketball properly. Al Horford, get healthy and get back to your young self. We need, like... 29-year-old Al Horford again. The reason why we signed you to a max deal. Get back to that state of mind. Not a lot of pressure on you now. You got, you're got you now like the fourth most important player on offense. Get back to your young self so when you do have the ball, it's like you're the number one option, okay? So get back to your young self. That is the New Year's resolution for Al Horford. Marcus Morris, make the all-star team, God damn it. That is your New Year's resolution for 2019. 2019 Marcus Morris all-star team. Let's go. Marcus Smart. Make first team all defense. A lot of conversation lately around Marcus Smart never making an all NBA defensive team, and he says it's a popularity contest. Well, change the script. That's your goal this year, Marcus Morris. Change the script. Make NBA all team first defense, or first (laughs) all NBA defense first team. Make it. Make it happen. Jalen Brown, stop being cocky. Shut your trap and play basketball. That's what we need from you. That should be your New Year's resolution. Come to the arena every night and play your game because it's good. I have faith in you, young grasshopper. But just shut your trap saying we're going to win the next five championships. Well, we can't if you keep playing like crap. So get over yourself, Jalen, and let's go. Terry Rogier, dude, you could make so much money. You lost some money because you used the scream mask when you shouldn't have for your Scary Terry thing, which was cool. I bit into it. I'm all for it. It's your contract year. You want to make money? Take advantage of every opportunity that's given to you, even if it's not as many as you got in the playoffs. Okay? So take advantage of every opportunity. In 2019, Terry Rogier, Gordon Hayward, get your explosiveness back. Go jump with Zion Williamson. Like, figure out how he jumps through the moon. Get that back, and I promise you, Celtics fans will love you. So get your explosiveness back in 2019. Robert Williams, don't bite on every single jump shot fake or pump fake or whatever. If someone thinks they might shoot the ball, don't go Time Lord on us and travel to a different galaxy trying to block a shot. Block a shot when the time is right, my friend. Stay on your feet, all right? 2019, stay on your feet, but still block the crap out of people. Aaron Baines, you need to dunk on Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's what you need to do. He's dunked on you so many times. Return the favor. Dunk on him. That's your 2019 resolution for Aaron Baines. Daniel Tice, gain some weight. Learn how to be physical on the block, okay? Be be muscular. Be big, all right? Yabo, be more of an NBA player than you are a meme because weird Celtics Twitter, he's like the number one guy. He has some of the funniest Celtics memes you'll ever see in your entire life are about your Sean Yabaselli. But be an NBA player. Be more of an NBA player than you are a meme. Okay, that's your 2019 resolution for your Sean Yabaselli. Semi Ojale, I really don't know what to say. Uh, I don't know. Get more muscle. You know, I think that's about it for him. And then Brad Stevens. There have been some questionable decisions Brad Stevens has made in 2018, just in this 
current season, obviously he made some great decisions in the playoffs. But 2018, this part of the season, he's made some questionable decisions. I feel like he's overthinking things. Stop. Hey, Brad, come closer, bud. Just be yourself. Be yourself. If you are yourself, the Boston Celtics will be better. Stop overthinking things. You're a great coach, okay? Come on, give me a hug. All right, thanks, bud. So yeah, that is your 2019 New Year's resolutions for the Boston Celtics. And that is the end of episode 22 of the Banner Banter Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18, Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. You can email me if you have any thoughts on you know, something you want to hear, any questions at BannerBanterPodcast at gmail.com. Um, I think that's it for this week. Thank you guys so much. Happy New Year. Hopefully uh, we can talk about a successful week for the Boston Celtics next week, and we'll talk to you guys soon. And remember, if you have Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean, SoundCloud, you name it, it's available. So if you don't like the fine podcast application you're listening to now, plenty of other options. Talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.